attention to Brother Cole. I was looking at something, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you're up. Okay, well, if you want to have your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Luke this evening. Thank you so much for having me in. I appreciate the opportunity to come and preach and appreciate the girls and the lunch they made today. It was fantastic. It was a big blessing for them to feed everybody that was here, so that was nice of them. All right, why don't you take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Stand with me one more time as we read God's Word. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10 and uh, verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. It came, now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, but Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Now, Lord, we come back to you one more time tonight. It's been a good day, and Lord, these folks have been very patient and charitable today, Lord, to uh, sit here and listen to preaching, Lord, and uh, it's against our flesh, and it's not uh, really uh, the thing that our natural body wants, Lord, but our new man desires it. So I pray that uh, this last message tonight might encourage them, uh, might feed them with something, Lord, might uh, uh, give them what they need, Lord, if it's rebuke that is necessary. I pray, Lord, that you'd be gentle with them. Uh, Lord, if there's some encouragement that needs to be received, I pray they might get that also from the Holy Ghost. Again, as it's been said many times, be with preacher. Miss Curran, Lord, in uh, their absence, that you would just take care of them, uh, continue to bless the ministry in their absence, Lord, and that everything would go smooth without any problems, uh, Lord, till they get back. Uh, ask this evening, Lord, that you might uh, steady my tongue, that the things that come out of my mouth would be an encouragement uh, to your people, Lord, and that I wouldn't say anything that would hurt this ministry or this pulpit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Luke chapter 10 is an is interesting chapter as we have uh, many different things that go on, but we close out the chapter with Jesus coming to town, and of course he's coming to Cana of Galilee, uh, where he's, or not Cana of Galilee, wrong, wrong chapter, wrong book, he's coming to Bethany uh, to have a meal here with uh, uh, Martha and Mary. Uh, no mention of Lazarus in this passage, but we know from the book of John that Lazarus is their brother, and that these, uh, these three individuals are the ones that uh, the Bible says that Jesus loved specifically. So this chapter here, as Jesus comes in and, and sits and has a meal uh, with Mary and Martha, is very important. And a lot of the importance to it isn't just the fact of this, uh, this get-together where they're going to have this uh, great night of, of probably uh, food and fellowship. Uh, I'm assuming there's all kinds of uh, teaching going on and all the different things that you can kind of envelop, but you kind of got to think of the backstory before you can get to the meal. Uh, again, it's not like it is today. Today, when we are traveling or we're going places, we're communicating nonstop. You've got cell phones, you have email, you have all kinds of things that are going on. Uh, back in the day, uh, it's, it's hard to believe that there were no cell phones, there were no telephones. Uh, 
no communication per se, and uh, Jesus would go from town to town and would minister, and I'm sure as the, uh, he would be going, they would say, well, where are we going to next? And uh, there would be a little bit of lead time as they're planning to go to these next cities, uh, but one of the things that was sure is when they came to this town, uh, this is where Jesus would go and spend some time. He would make sure he went to Mary and Martha's home, and it was there that he had this place where he would be ministered to, that he would be able to have fellowship, a place where the Lord would have someone take care of him. Uh, if you go through the Gospels, you don't see very many, op uh, very many uh, times where anyone ministers to the Lord. Matter of fact, when you go through the Gospels, it's the Lord ministering and ministering and ministering. And there's only a couple exceptions where the Lord himself gets ministered to, and this is one of those. So when you think about all of that going on, think about the burden that must have been for Mary and Martha. Here comes the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has been teaching and preaching, and you have multitudes of people that follow him, and now God himself is coming to their home, and you have to think about how that must have been for that house. Uh, you ladies know that if you're going to have company, there's things that you take care of before you have company. You want to make sure the house is clean. You want to make sure you got all the groceries you need to be able to make the meals. You want to make sure that your husband's stuff is put somewhere so that it's not a distraction. The kids' toys are put away. Uh, the house is in order. There's so much stuff that goes on when you think about that, and that would have been the same thing for when Jesus is coming. They are busy trying to get everything to be perfect. I can't imagine what it must have been like to have Jesus Christ come to your house and the blessing that that, that would be, but also the burden. Because not only do you get Jesus, you get 12 stinky apostles that are coming with him. Uh, remember, these guys are traveling and they're on the dirt roads. And I mean, how often are they getting places where they can get cleaned up and taken care of? We really don't know. There's many a times the Lord said that he's out sleeping. A rock is for his pillow. Uh, when they're asking to follow him, he tells them that the foxes have dens and the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. So here is the Lord and these 12 disciples, and they're going to converge on this home, and you're talking 13 minimum grown men, and then whoever else is coming, that is overwhelming. I can't even begin to fathom what that would be like, and yet these women are anxious for the coming of the Lord. So as the Lord is getting closer, obviously he's coming in. Uh, certainly the word is traveling around from these little villages that Jesus is getting closer. I'm sure as soon as he's getting to Bethany that the kids are running around just as kids would when they know Jesus is coming. I'm sure that the whole town is abuzz and there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, energy, so to speak, as the Lord is coming to town and now they know where he's going to go and spend some time. And for the Lord, this is the place that he has. It's like a harbor that he can come and have fellowship and be able to get away from everything. But at the same token, for Mary and Martha, uh, this is going to be a place where now they are going to serve and minister to the Lord. So how much preparation goes into that? Again, you're feeding at least 13 grown men. And uh, the ladies did a great job today making lunch and feeding. But that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of preparation. Uh, in first century A.D., there's no microwaves. There's no Myers. There's no Walmarts. I mean, you don't have any of the conveniences of life, no refrigerators, none of that. And they're getting all of this stuff together just so they can make it a special place for the Lord to come and be able to minister. Now, you think about that and kind of just bring it back and kind of wrap it up to where we're at here today. That's all very similar to what you have when you come to a local church. 
People come to a local church because they want to get something because they need something. They've been out there in the world. They've been doing the hustle and bustle of life, work and family and school. And you have so many different things that are going on. And they want to come here to get something. And there's many a times people come to this place and they forget how much work is put into having a service like this. A lot of times we forget that it takes a lot of hands that are taking care of all the things around the church. You have the sound system, you have the nursery, you have the people that clean the church, the people that take care of the outside of the church. You have the, the teachers and the preachers and all these different things to be able to put a service together. And even though it goes smooth and sometimes seamless, it takes a lot of effort. And because of all that, we take for granted what the Lord has given us. And oftentimes we end up ruining what God intended to be a good meeting, we end up ruining it because we get in the flesh. And that's exactly what you see here with Martha. Martha has, has this opportunity of a lifetime to be able to see something and get something from the Lord. And in essence, she ruins a good meeting. I think every church service should be preparation to be able to come in and get something from the Lord. And it doesn't matter who the preacher is, uh, you need to be able to get something from the preacher that this book needs to be opened up so that you have something that's going to sustain you. And a lot of times what we do is we take for granted that we have a Bible-believing work and we have a church that we can come to, and we just don't take it serious about what we need to get. And a lot of times instead of focusing on what the Lord is going to give us from His Word, we're focusing on all of the other dynamics that take place and we begin to find fault and we begin to nitpick things uh, how many times have people come into church and and even at my own church when I was there all these years people come in and and they make a point to let you know oh there's no paper towel in the in the bathroom well I'm sorry there's no paper towel we're going to get you some paper towel but it's not the end of the world but people think that. Uh, they'll be going through the prayer letters and, well, where's all the updated prayer letters? These are old. These are three or four months old. Well, it takes a person to put those up. And sometimes that person gets behind and doesn't get those done. And instead of just enjoying the fact that we have all these things going on, they start nitpicking it and finding fault so that when they get under the preaching, they can't get the blessing from the preaching. They can't get anything of it because they've wrapped themselves up in what was going on rather than listening to what the Lord has for him. So I just want to preach you a very simple message tonight. I don't think I'll go very long, but I want to just preach you tonight how to ruin a good meeting, how to ruin a good meeting. I think every church service should be a good meeting. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, doesn't matter, Wednesday. Every service should be a good meeting. We should desire to get something from it, whether it's big or whether it's small. If you've been in church for any number of years, you get under the preaching for a long time. After a while, you will hear, hear it all. Uh, you know, I've been saved for a long time, been in church a long time, it, and I can go to meetings all over the place. It's very rare that I hear something that just jumps right out at you because it's the same book. And it's not something new. It's the same book that's been preached for 2,000 years in the New Testament. And we're just going over all of the same things because repetition is necessary. And a lot of times we, we think that we need to be entertained rather than being fed. You don't, when, when your wife or your mother or your grandmother makes your favorite meal, you don't complain, do you? Maybe if she makes it a couple times a month. Uh, some guys, their wives make some of the same meals over and over during a month, and they never complain that they get the same thing over and over again. 
But all of a sudden, you get something from the Word of God that you've heard before, it's dull or boring. That's because you come with the wrong attitude. Uh, You need to come to be fed and to be prepared. And rather than coming in and being disappointed, we need to come in and plan to get something from every meeting that we have. Now, one of the ways that we ruin a good meeting is found there in verse 39, and it's very simple. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Here's one of the ways we ruin a good meeting, and it's we don't take time to listen to what the Lord has to say. Uh, I've noticed in this book, in all the years that I've read it and preached it and taught it, that there is not one word in this book that does not have a purpose behind it. Every word has a purpose. Every phrase, every sentence, every quote, every place that there is something, there's a purpose to what God has. And it doesn't matter if it's found in the book of First Chronicles when you get bogged down with all those names. Everything has a purpose. So when we come to this book and we come to a meeting like this, we need to realize that our focus needs to be listening to this, not the preacher. Now, I realize the preacher is the one that is dispensing the Word of God, but we need to be listening to what the Bible says, allowing the Holy Ghost to begin to work and move in us so that we can get something from the Lord. Uh, There's been many a times when I've preached that I've had people come up to me afterward and say, well, when you said this in in the message, it really ministered to me. I don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, it wasn't even on topic of what I preached, but obviously whatever I preached, the Holy Ghost was active and he was talking to their heart and he was showing them things in the verses or somewhere, sometimes you know how we are, we read a little bit before, we read a little bit after, but we're in the book and the Lord begins to show something and the Lord just using the messenger to put it out there and we're coming in to get something. We're like a sponge and that sponge just needs to soak it up And once it's soaked up, then you need to go and dispense it. And if you come in with the right heart, you'll get something from services like this. They don't have to be special meetings all the time. Now, we like special meetings because that's when we get our favorite preachers to come in. And they'll come in, and every preacher has got their own, uh, their own style and their own way that appeals. Some guys are loud and boisterous and stomp and rip and snort and go all over the place. Some guys are real quiet, and they'll just be behind the pulpit. They don't move too much. Everybody has their own style, but the fact is there's something that you can get from them, and that's all wonderful. But, you know, we have a local church that has a local pastor that labors and works in the same hard ground all the time, and his messages are just as powerful, and his messages are just as important as when we get anyone in here, whether it be uh, Brother Peacock or Brother Knowles or whoever it could be that might come in and preach. You know what? The preacher is here. He's just giving out this book. What's he dispensing? He's dispensing this. And when you come to get that, you will not miss out. But you know what happens, and just like in your church, as as it was in my church and churches all over the place, people don't come to get the book. They don't come to hear the word. What they do is they come to find fault with something that's going on. They're coming to analyze the words of the preacher rather than listen to the word of God. They're coming in to see, well, how come there's nobody in church? How, come, how many times I've heard people say, well, boy, there's a lot of empty seats today. Well, that's not my fault. 
I mean, I don't, I don't have the authority to go out and get a van and drag you out of your house and put you in the seats and get you here and make you sit and listen to me for two hours. You can't do that. It's not the preacher's fault when people don't come in. Now, in some cases, you could say, yeah, it's the preacher's fault. There could be some instances of that. But even when the preacher isn't giving everything that he could give, if you came with the right attitude, you'd get something. And you would not only get something, uh, you, would, uh, uh, you would enjoy it. Uh, this year, I've been trying to do some new things and try new things. I get in ruts with certain foods. And there's things, when I was younger, I would never try. And uh, one of the things I, I tried one time uh, years ago was okra. Uh, it was the nastiest stuff I'd ever had. This is horrible. I would never eat that. Well, somebody uh, made it again. They said, well, would you try it? I said, okay, I'll try it. You know, but I know I'm not going to like it. Well, all of a sudden, oh, I like okra. It wasn't fried either. It was like cooked, and it was like it was good. It was enjoyable. Something that I thought I wasn't going to like, all of a sudden now there's a taste for it. Say, what do you mean? Well, sometimes you get this predisposition when you come to church of something you think you won't like. But if you would just open up your heart to the Holy Ghost and let Him just feed you and give you something that you need, then you know what you might just get? You just might get something. This book has got so much stuff in it. Uh, there is not anything in this book that can't minister to somebody. And at some place, some time in your life, this book is going to be needed to get you through a trial, get you through a trouble, get you through a loss, to encourage you, just to sustain you, just to keep you going so that you don't just wither away spiritually. But you need to take time to listen to what the Lord has to say. Every word of God is precious. There is not one word in this book, as I said, that is out of place. And if we'll take time to just approach it that way, here's Mary sitting at the Lord's feet. I can't, I, I can't imagine what that must have been like to just sit and listen to Jesus. I wonder, I wonder how many people tried to interrupt the Lord when he taught. Makes you wonder. You know, you ever, uh, years ago, I'd go into the jail and, and minister in the jail. There's always somebody that wants to interrupt, somebody else that wants to talk. You know, they can't just sit there and listen. I had one guy over in the prison in Standish when I used to go there. Uh, uh, he was uh, uh, kind of a, he was a, he was a black guy. He's about this tall. I mean, just muscles on muscles. This guy, you know, he was intimidating to look at him. Uh, his nickname was Flex, Flex Stevens. And he'd come into the service, and this guy was just a firecracker. He didn't shut up. He's always talking. He was always bringing up comments and, you know, just being, he, he said, he, he likened it later about the, being the peanut gallery, you know, in the back making comments. Uh, well, that guy, he kept coming and kept coming, and after a while, uh, the Lord got dealing with his heart. He got saved. And that guy didn't just get saved. That guy got so involved in the services and learning the, this book. And, and through the years, he got moved from this facility to the next facility. Right now, he's up in the UP. And now he's one of the church leaders. He's really grounded in the Word of God. He's preaching, and he's soul winning and doing all that. And he'll write me letters and tell me. He'll, he'll, he'll uh, uh, apologize, saying, well, I'm sorry, preacher. I was in the peanut gallery making all that racket back there and not listening because now he deals with all the guys in the peanut gallery not listening. Because, see, sometimes you don't realize what the Lord's going to give you until you just sit still and let the Lord give it to you. Uh, we don't know it all. Uh, there's been things as a preacher when I have to sit under someone that i got to realize, you know what, I don't know it all. 
Even though I've been doing it a long time, there's still things that I need to learn. This book is alive. Uh, there's nothing new being written, but I'll tell you, there's new things being shown all the time. How many times have you read through your Bible and you see something different you never saw before? This is a different book. It's not like any other book. So if you don't want to ruin a good meeting, make sure you take time to listen to what the Lord has to say. Number two, not only do you need to listen, but don't find fault with what others are doing at the meeting. That is the number one problem with Baptists. We're always looking at what everybody else is doing, and we're finding fault with what they're doing. Notice in verse 40, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Now I believe that Mary had been serving and prepping and doing all the things that was necessary to make this dinner a success. I believe that she was there for the whole thing. I don't see Mary as being a slacker at all. I see her as being a laboring woman that put all the effort into it. But once Jesus was there, she was done. She was done. She was done prepping. She was done getting coffee. She was done making tea. And she just sits down right at the feet of Jesus Christ. And she wants to hear what he has to say. Well, of course, that rubbed Martha wrong. And just like sisters, you know, sisters are the hardest on each other. They're thick as thieves, you know, on each with each other. But boy, you know, don't, don't cross them because they'll get at you. But boy, they'll tear each other apart too. And here Martha's looking at this. And she's saying, wait a minute, Mary's sitting, she's listening to all the teaching, and I'm busy taking care of everything. And uh, she's just finding fault. That's our Baptist churches. It's amazing how many times people just find fault with how the church is being operated, with how people are doing things. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, not every piano player plays the same. My, my old piano player that I had for years, Mrs. Raymond, that lady played the piano unlike anybody I ever heard. It, it was almost like a southern gospel um, oh, tavern style. I don't even know how to describe it. She beat on, and this lady, she's 80, uh, 89, 88 years old, has been playing at that church for as long as I've been there, so over 30-plus years. And it just, she plays it different, and it's lively. Now, some, play, some folks will get up and they'll play it more uh, majestically, if you want to say that, but I mean, or more proper. But you know what? You could sit there and find fault how, with how someone plays the piano rather than just enjoy them playing the piano. We find fault with what people sing. Well, they sang that last time. Well, we've heard that special. How many times have we heard that special? Or, or, brother, how many times have we heard that song? We've sang that song. That, that hymn book has got 500 songs in it. How come we sing the same ones? Well, you get up and lead the songs. Just because they're in there doesn't mean they're easy to lead, amen? Boy, they, and they all sound good down there. It's easy to sing them, but it's not as easy to get up here and lead them. So we find fault with the song leader. We find fault with what the preacher preaches. We find fault with the meal that's brought, and we don't like what so-and-so brought, and how come she didn't do this, or how come nobody communicated? You know how it goes. It's just a bunch of fault-finding things, and you know what that does? That destroys a church because it makes us so we're not working together. We're working against each other. Baptist churches split because you get different, uh, different uh, fractions within the church where people don't like something. They don't learn to get along. That's why Paul takes chapters and deals with the body of Christ being one body. I know spiritually that's a spiritual body, but you know when you come into this church, we need to be one body. We need to have one mind, and rather than finding fault with what's being done, 
Maybe we just need to volunteer to do what isn't being done. Get involved. Here is Mary sitting there listening to Jesus. Maybe Martha should be considering that it's more important to sit down and listen. You know, there's some things that around a church that we're going to get done sooner or later. It's not a tragedy just to sit down and listen to the preaching. There are certain things. I've seen people for years, we have meals, and, you know, about a quarter till or so, you, you know, it's quarter, we're going to have a dinner after church, about quarter till, everybody's running off to go take care of the meals. And they're missing the preaching. They're missing the most, the meal is not the most important thing. The most important thing is getting the preaching, and yet they're running, and they're back there doing this, and, and no one came to help me, and I was doing it all by myself, and I had to put all the food out. Well, Martha, if you would have waited till after service, then you could have got some hands, but you wanted to do it while everybody was in church because you didn't want to sit in church, right? I mean, that's really how it is. Uh, I've been in churches where they have, the, they have their, their, uh, uh, their ushers. And, you know, instead of the ushers being in church when Sunday school is all going, you know where they're at? They're out in the foyer, and they're talking and doing what men do, chit-chat and find fault with things and complain about this, that, and other. Instead of being in church and listening to what's going on, they're just finding fault with things. And you know what? If you just sit down and listen to preaching, you won't, you won't be able to find fault with that the carpet's dirty. You'd be looking at the preacher. You'd be listening to the Word of God. You're not going to be looking around trying to find things that are out of place. Oh, my goodness, there's a monster can. Can you believe they let a monster can? Don't you know that that monster can, that's of the devil. There's 666 on there, those three marks, that's all of the devil, and that all goes back to all this satanic. Where'd you learn that? YouTube. <laughs> you didn't learn that by picking up that can. Who cares? But people are, people are finding fault. Can't believe, oh, I can't believe they let someone have coffee in church. Like that's a travesty. Now, listen, every preacher does his church different. If he wants to let you have coffee, you don't want to let you have coffee. But you know what? It's not the end of the world if you have coffee or water or anything in church. I mean, I've heard preachers get up and say, well, you're not to have anything to drink in church. Oh, my. Yeah, I don't know how people survive without carrying a water bottle with them. Amen? <laughs> Big deal. Why find fault with everything? Preachers are the biggest ones. I'm telling you, preachers... Guys like me, we got to be careful because we find fault with what people do. People are serving the Lord, and they're doing their best, and they're trying hard, and you know what we want to do? We want to nitpick it. Well, you know what a preacher will do? He'll ruin a good meeting by finding fault with folks. You want to ruin a good meeting? Point out the fact that people aren't in church. Who cares that those people aren't in church? You're here. It doesn't matter who's not here. But you know what that does? That puts a damper on the service. When the preacher gets up and starts talking about all the folks that aren't here and aren't, aren't part of it, you know what he's doing? He's making you feel like it don't matter you're here. See, it's not just the folks in the pew. It's the preacher. It can be the deacon. It can be everybody. And the fact is you learn from this that we're not to find fault with what's going on at the meeting. We are just should be here trying to get something from the book. And Martha shows us that we need to be careful not to find fault just because someone's not doing what we're doing. That brings us to the, to the next point. Uh, the fact of the matter is you want to ruin a good meeting, uh, you can't desire everyone to respond the same way you do. You know what I've learned about Baptists? Not every Baptist is vocal. Matter of fact, sometimes people are just quiet. That doesn't mean that they're not listening. If someone doesn't amen, listen, if someone doesn't amen, it doesn't mean they don't agree with you. And it doesn't mean they're not listening. They're just quiet. 
Not everybody is boisterous. Uh, my old church was a quiet church. Boy, it was rare to hear an amen. But you know what? As I watched them for decades and watched things go on, they were taking it in and they were doing something with it. I'd rather have a church that's as quiet as a church mouse and nobody says much, but yet they're out doing something. Then a church where everybody's jumping up, shouting, screaming, and, and running the bases, and nobody's doing anything. It's all show. You see, we can't expect everybody to respond the same way. I learned a long time ago as a preacher, and the Lord had to show me this as a young man, that not all the work that gets done in this church is going to show up there. Matter of fact, most things that take place spiritually never be see, are seen at the, at, the, at the altar. Praise God for the altar. Never get rid of it. That's just part of our heritage. It's part of who we are as Bible believers. But you know what? If people don't come to the altar like we think they should, doesn't mean nothing's happening. We ruin good meetings by putting emphasis on this and making people feel guilty about going there when we should just be letting the Holy Ghost do what He needs to do. Praise God you come to the altar. I love it when people come to the altar. But you know what the fact is, is not everybody does business at the altar. Some folks do business right there in that pew. Some folks don't get up and, and do it. You say, well, they're embarrassed and they're, they're ashamed and, and they shouldn't. Listen, how dare you say they're ashamed? You know their heart? Maybe they just feel they don't. There's nothing, nothing that says you have to do that. Amen? It's like saying that the only way to win souls is to go door to door. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Soul winning isn't just going door to door. I had someone come to my church years ago, and they came in, and they were asking about the bus ministry. And at that point, we'd have bus ministries off and on, off and on. And he started lecturing me to tell me how I need to have a bus ministry. And if I had a bus ministry, it would make my church so much better. And he's starting to lecture me. You know, I've been doing this for, at that point, probably 20-some years, and I just let him ramble on. The guy was an idiot. He come in finding fault because I didn't do what he did. Well, the fact is, not everybody does everything that you do. Not every Bible-believing church street preaches. So, well, they're not as spiritual as we are. No, you can't say that. Just because they don't street preach doesn't make them not spiritual. Just because we don't go out and, you know, you know what, I'm going to tell you this. Just because you don't pass out tracts doesn't mean you don't love souls. Sometimes people, some people witness different than just passing out tracts. I don't like to, I'm not a big track passer. I have a very, I'm not a cold call kind of guy where I can just walk up to you cold, but when I get to know you, I'll witness to you, I'll talk to you. That's how I witness. That's just how it works for me. And I'll do the other, but I'm not going to find fault with someone that won't go door knocking. I'm not going to say they won't win souls because that's not true. Many of the people in my church that never went door knocking with me would win people to the Lord. They just didn't do it door knocking. They did it other ways. We ruin meetings by thinking people need to respond the way we do. See, Mary or Martha thought that Mary should be doing things the way she was. And that's not the case. Here's the thing about being a Bible believer. Individuality. Even though we have one book, this King James Bible, we're still individuals. I don't want everybody to be like me. Matter of fact, I don't want anybody to be like me. I remember being in, at, at PBI and all the guys would get cowboy boots because Dr. Ruckman wore cowboy boots. And then if they were going to get a dog, they had to get a, a German Shepherd because Dr. Ruckman had a German Shepherd. And listen, you, get, you can wear whatever you want. Me and cowboy boots, I did it. I tried. I got to get cowboy boots because Dr. Ruckman, man, they hurt my feet. I didn't last long. I'm wearing them stupid things. They're uncomfortable. 
You know, I, when I got a dog, I got a golden retriever. You say, why'd you get a golden retriever? Because they're cool dogs. They're lovable. He says, right, we're all the, a, a German shepherd. Not a thing wrong with a German shepherd. You do what you want to do. Just be who you are. The way you dress, your haircut, you got a mustache or no mustache, goatee or no goatee. My goodness, man. Just be who you are and let the Lord use you. But we're just trying to find fault, and we're always thinking people need to respond the same way, and we ruin this place. We ruin what the Lord wants us to do, and we ruin it by, number four, failing to take a close examination of me. Look at verse 41. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Martha had not taken a close examination of herself. You know, one of the blessings of coming to church and getting the preaching is we examine ourselves. When we have communion, uh, one of the things in communion is examine yourself. We're not here to examine everybody else. Uh, it's not my job to figure out why so-and-so isn't here. How many times I'd preach and people come up to me, I used to stand at the back and, and shake hands when they were walking out, and someone would say, oh, that message was for so-and-so. No, that message is for you. So-and-so is not here. So that it's you, it's, it's for everyone. This message isn't just for a selective group of people. It's for every person in this room, whether it's one of these little boys or whether it's, you know, anybody in here. And, and it's just as much for myself when I preach as a preacher. But we need to closely examine ourselves. We need to look at me and say, where am I spiritually? I'll tell you this, what happens in the ministry is we get wrapped up so much in service that we neglect the fellowship. We neglect what we need from the Lord. And church does not become a place where we want to be for fellowship. It almost becomes a burden. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, got to go to church. It should never be that way. We need to examine ourselves. And before we even enter this building, we should be talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, what are you going to give me today? What will you show me about myself? And like I told you this morning, I had to learn some things about myself through the trial and trouble that I've gone through this last year. And I'm glad the Lord showed it to me. I'm glad that he, you know, I look back now in retrospect, I don't like to have to go by any means to go through the trouble that I've had, but I'm glad the Lord showed me some stuff. And there's some things in your life you need to be able to accept it when the Lord shows it to you. Notice in verse 42, here's what the Lord says. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. That's a tough pill to swallow. It's tough when the Lord has to point things out to you. He'd rather you figure it out yourself. He'd rather you sit under the preaching and you realize what needs to be fixed and taken care of rather than him to have to come by later and have to put you through something to learn it. I remember in Bible school, I was, uh, you know, I'm trying to be spiritual and I'm trying to grow and I was dumb, just dumb as a box of rocks. I said, Lord, I need to learn patience. Would you teach me patience? Well, I come out, you know, I come out of a fundy church, you know, a fundamental church, and you know, I didn't understand. You know, I'm just thinking, oh, Christian life is easy, and you no, know, you want patience. Well, the Lord's going to be kind. He's going to show you patience. No way, man. You ask the Lord for patience, your world's going to be turned upside down. And man, I'll tell you, man, my car broke down. Everything went wrong that week. It's like, okay, Lord, I've got enough patience. Let's let's just work with what I got and. <laughs> You, you evaluate what you have rather than what you don't have. And uh, sometimes the things you think you need, you don't want them. You think you need something, say, well, Lord, I, just, I really need to be more long-suffering. Well, you know what it means to be long-suffering? That means someone's got to wrong you. 
I mean, you're, someone's going to hurt you, and someone's going to be mean, and someone's going to do something, and you may not want that. You think you want, you think you want to be stronger, amen? But you really don't want what you think sometimes. So sometimes that close examination will help you to get what you need. So we ruin a meeting by failing to examine ourselves. Examine me, not anyone else. We, we need to get our eyes off everybody else. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the only person we should look to. The only person we should be looking to is the Lord, and we ought to be examining ourselves. The fifth thing that we do to ruin a good meeting is this, is we think everyone should serve like you do and when you do. Boy, that's a bad problem in Baptist church. We think everybody should do it the way we do. You know what? I, I remember for years, you know, you hear people come in and preach, and over the years you get all kinds of people come in to preach, and everybody's got their opinion about when you should read the Bible. I've had guys come in, boy, you need to read the Bible first thing in the morning. If you're not reading the Bible first thing in the morning before you start your day, you're not right with God, you're not spiritual. You know what that is? That's nonsense. Now, in a perfect world, you could get up, 6 o'clock, read your Bible, have some coffee, go about your business to go to work for 8 o'clock in a perfect world. Well, this is an imperfect world. <laughs> matter of fact, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you're just reading your Bible, praise God. If you're reading at the end of the day or if you're reading the beginning of the day or midday at work on your lunch, praise God you're reading it. Someone gets up and tells you how or when you got to read your Bible. Where is that in the Bible? There's nothing that says you have to read it at a certain time. But you know what we think? We think that everybody ought to do it the way we do. Uh, I remember hearing a preacher saying, well, if you don't read 10 chapters of Bible a day, you're not spiritual. Well, you know what? Some people don't have the capacity to read 10 chapters a day. That's just a fact. If you're not bookish, 10 chapters a day will take you an hour. <laughs> Literally. Not everybody has an hour to burn. I remember one time I was finding fault with a guy. He was telling me he was reading his Bible through once a month. And I found out he was reading his Bible through once a month by listening to it on audio. He was an older guy. He's probably in his 70s. And he would watch it on the TV. And the words would go up there. And he would listen to, I don't know if it's Scorby or whoever. And I'm kind of finding fault with the guy. You're not really reading your Bible. You're listening to it. Well, who am I to say that, that he's reading his Bible? He's taking time apart. That guy's reading. And, you know, as, as my eyes started getting bad and I'm getting a little older, I found myself listening to the Bible a lot more than I did sitting down reading it. And you know what? The Lord ministered to me that way because my eyes get so bad I could not read as much as I used to, so I would just listen to it. I'd get in the car, throw on Scorby, and just listen to chapter after chapter. And you know what? I realized, boy, you're a narrow-minded bigot. Well, not now that it works for you, it's okay. But when the old preacher was doing it that way, well, that was wrong. He wasn't spiritual because he wasn't sitting there with, with the literal book. And I believe this is the book. I believe we ought to read from this book. But, you know, there's going to be exceptions where maybe you just need to listen to it. Amen? You're, we're not replacing the book. Uh, I'm not telling you to get rid of your Bible and bring it in on the phone now. because No, don't do that. We're not going to go that far. But the fact is, is that, you know what, if a guy reads his Bible from his phone at lunch, it's okay. It's not a tragedy. I'm not going to lose my. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. People do things differently. People have different tracks that they like. I've seen all kinds of criticism on people don't like chick tracks because they, you know, they they teach easy believism and all this. Listen, why do we have to complicate everything and find fault with everything? 
People don't always do things the same way. I learned a lot during COVID. When, when COVID hit, I realized a lot of different things about different preachers. And I seen, and in, in our circle, I seen a lot of things with different preachers and how they did church. And I learned something real quickly. Don't criticize how they're doing it. Now, when we had when, when COVID hit, we never shut down. We were able to have church. We divided off the pews. and We never shut down once because of COVID. We were fortunate. Some guys weren't that fortunate. You know what? I'm not going to fault them. I'm not going to find fault with any of them. Guys got creative in how to do it and all kinds of different things. People had, you know, uh, things that they played over their radios to people come in the cars and sit and listen. Praise God that people were just being creative to do it. Try to get people to minister to them and feed them. But I learned, you know what, whether you shut down during COVID or whether you, or whether you didn't, that was something the Lord showed you. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you were wrong and I was right. Because for me, what I did was right. For what someone else did, the Lord gave them that. We got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I learned that not everything is the same for everybody. Yeah, we got the same book and we got the same Savior. and We got the same way to get saved. But, you know, there's different ways to make chocolate cake. There's different ways to make white bread. You know, you get the end, you get the end results different. But as long as you're using the right ingredients, that's all that matters. And we need to realize we're ruining what God has given us because we're hypercritical and we think everybody ought to do it the same way. And the fact of the matter is that's not how it is. And the last reason way we ruin a good meeting is we fail to see the service that we fail to see that service without fellowship is trouble. If you get so driven to serve without spending time with the Lord, you are going to be a miserable person. Martha, at this point, is miserable. She's careful and troubled about many things. When you are serving without fellowship, you know what the work becomes? It just becomes a work. And you know what this is? This is more than a work. This is a ministry. And this is a ministry that we're to keep our eyes on the Lord as we go through it. Martha got her eyes off of Jesus Christ and got looking at everyone else rather than looking at what she was there to serve him. What did the Lord want? Did the Lord require big meals and drinks? No. He didn't. It's not like having Brother Jack come in. And you know, if you've ever had Brother Jack come, he'll have a list of things he likes. You know, he, he likes this food and likes this snack and wants to, he'll send me, I want this beef stick and I want this steak and all this. <clears throat> and that's fine. I love Brother Jack. I don't think the Lord did that. I think the Lord just showed up and, you know, whatever was there, you know, I was talking to, I shouldn't even say this, but I was talking to somebody where Brother Jack got over to their house and they had squash soup for dinner. Squash soup. Now imagine Brother Jack in squash soup. That just, those two don't even go together, that man in squash soup. And uh, they were having him over again. He was back in town this last week and he told him, no soup this time. <laughs> Think the Lord's not that way, though. I love Brother Jack. Only Brother Jack can get away with that kind of stuff. But I think the Lord didn't do that. I think the Lord just showed up, and whatever was there, he just enjoyed the time with them, and he just wanted them to spend time with him. And at the end of the day, fellowship without service makes the ministry a burden. And when the ministry becomes a burden, then you've lost what you need. You see, this place, this meeting place is ruined by many, many people.
from the preacher all the way down to the little kid that's in Sunday school because we don't approach it properly. The Lord wants us to come and just get something from Him and enjoy His fellowship. That's what it's all about. It's all about you and Him together in fellowship and enjoying what the Lord has given you and being content with what the Lord's given you. This, your little church right here in the middle of nowhere here in Tawas, you need to be content with what the Lord give you because one day you might get more people in here than you like and you may not be happy with it because more people means more trouble. Amen. You know, what, you know what happens? You get more people, you lose the intimacy sometimes. Praise God, if the Lord gives you more people, that's okay. But you realize that the Lord needs this church just as much here as he needs Brother Peacock in Jacksonville. People here need to be ministered to just as much as people in Jacksonville or Pensacola or where Brother Knowles is. You say, well, the, but the ministries are smaller. It's not as important. Yes, it is. You're just as important as Brother Peacock's 400 people. Every person in this room. It's not about the size of the ministry. It's about this book. And we ruin what the Lord wants to do by simply taking our eyes off what he's doing. We need to refocus and get re redirected to just remember that it's all about Jesus Christ. He is the center, and we ought to be focusing on him. Let's pray. Now, Father, as we close out tonight, and we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and all that you show us, Lord. Just thank you that you put these stories uh, within the pages of the Word of God, Lord. They're a gentle reminder of the simplicity of the Bible. Lord, it's not complex when it comes to serving you. It's very simple. It's very precise. And Lord, your intent is that we would just focus on you. Lord, as we wrap up this day and we thank you for all that you did today, we just want to take a minute to just examine ourselves when it comes to the service and the ministry that you put us in. Help us, Lord, to never ruin the meeting that we have here. Lord, help us to never come to this place with the wrong attitude, with the wrong spirit, and cause a stumbling block, Lord, because we want to be seen. We want to see Jesus. That's who ought to be seen. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to better reflect that and that Jesus Christ would have the preeminence in everything. Lord, be with us as we go home tonight. Give us all safety as we travel different directions. Again, be with Preacher and Miss Curran in their absence, Lord, to minister to them. And Lord, we just love you and thank you for all that you do for us. And we do pray, Lord, that this would be the year that you would come back and catch us out of this place where we're looking forward to going home. We're looking forward to being with you. Pray, Lord, you'd help us to be good witnesses till you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.